Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Patrick, my Sunday gave us rancid breath. What you mean? I mean, we're not ugly. We just stink. Stink? (laughs) We We stink. stink. We stink. Hey, Cowboys Nation. What is up? Welcome to the Writer's Block Podcast. Uh, Of course, I am one of the two halves of this podcast. I am Jess Navarro's hosting uh, today, kicking things off. But my amazing, amazing co-host, Brandon Laurie, is here, as usual, bringing the heat, bringing all things Cowboys Green Bay loss. I wish I was talking to you on a Victory Tuesday edition of this podcast, Brandon, but... That's not the case. And that's okay, because we're going to break it down, because we also have another special guest with us today, who you all know, who you all love, and if you don't, well, you live under a rock. Of course, we have our very own B2B staffer, David Howman, joining us today, so I'm very excited. Gentlemen, I know, I know Monday was a long day for y'all. After a Cowboys loss, I always feel like it is just the most dragged out Monday of all Mondays. But how are you feeling? Yeah, I, I took a, I planned a mini vacation uh, between Sunday and Monday. So I take full responsibility that I was already planning a mental break uh, after the Sunday loss uh, before they even lost. So I, I take full responsibility uh, for the Cowboys losing in Green Bay. And I think I was talking to Dave before we were recording, and I said that this loss to me, I think, is a lot worse than I felt after the Eagles game. Because when we were talking, I said that after the Philly game, there were things that you can correct looking forward and say, okay, this is an easy fix. Like you take Cooper rush out of that game. You put Dak Prescott in. And I know Dak threw two interceptions against green Bay, which we can talk about. I don't believe it was hundred percent his fault, but in the game where Cooper rush was playing against the Eagles, like that was all Cooper rush for the majority of the part. And so you take him out of that offense, you plug Dak in. It's like, this is a winnable game. You feel confident after losing that game. And you leave this game and you're saying, man, like the offense was sputtering a little bit. The defense was a disaster at some time, specifically with the run. And you're kind of just left in doubt, like not fully defeated, not saying that the season's over, but just a little bit of doubt. And I think that that's what a lot of Cowboys fans have felt when playing Aaron Rodgers is that this doubt always comes up when you're playing the Packers. And it has been going on for years and years and years. So, yeah, I think just a little crushed. Uh, I said on Twitter, I think it was a a gut punch um, for the whole team. And I do think that they'll come back um, strong from this. And Mike McCarthy talked about that in his press conference, but definitely a a strong punch to the gut. Dave, what about you? How are you emotionally dealing with on this Monday? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Monday morning I woke up and I was I was physically feeling ill. People <laughs> say it was from the cold that we got over the weekend, but I'm pretty sure it was actually from just watching uh, Aaron Rodgers do the thing he always does. Um, it was, you know, for most of the game, I, you know, had this feeling like they're actually going to do it. They're actually going to pull it off. Um, and then when... Rodgers hit that touchdown to Christian Watson on uh, fourth down and cut it to a one touchdown lead for the Cowboys. That's the moment that it sunk in for me. And I was like, I know where this game is going from here. And hope just slowly started to, to fade away for me. And unfortunately, I was completely right. And that's exactly how it played out. Yeah, and I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling ill feeling watching Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's no other way to put it because on paper, this was absolutely a game that the Cowboys should have won. There is just no other explanation other than they defeated themselves. And that's really when you get to the gist of it and and the logistics of how things happen and unfolded like they did, that is really what it comes down to. The Cowboys defeated themselves in many ways and defeated themselves in ways that were interestingly enough resolved 
prior weeks. I mean, a tackling issue, a penalties issue, um, just so many of these these issues. Um, and of course, we can we can break all that down here in a minute. But uh, guys, I wanted to ask you about key moments in this game and a lot of defining moments, if you will, for both sides. So if you had to dwindle it down to one turning point or key moment of this game that's kind of solidified what the Cowboys were going to look like, what was that for you? I, I said it was a game of firsts, and it's kind of surprising that week 10 of the NFL season, you still have first-time things happening. And, you know, not only was it Mike McCarthy's first loss in Green Bay after getting let go, but the Cowboys, and this was a stat that they threw up on Fox almost like as a jinx, uh, it seemed like, before the Packers were, were going to take the lead and ultimately win the game. They said that the Cowboys were 195-0 and zero going into that game, leading by 14 points in the fourth quarter. And then, of course, the jinx happens, and that was the first time that they lost when leading by 14 points. So that was pretty upsetting. And the fact that I know Babe Loffenberg on 105.3 in the pregame was saying that the Cowboys are 8-0 when Tony Pollard touches the ball 14 times or more, and now they're 8-1 because he touched the ball 22 times, if not more, with a couple passes in there. So I look at it from the offensive side of the ball. There were some things that were just this lack of communication that we've been hearing about between Dak and CeeDee Lamb, and I think that played a huge factor into the game because that's what caused the interceptions. And, you know, we're hearing this miscommunication. Well, you had a bye week, you know, to prepare for all these things, to fix these things. And we saw this happen in the Detroit game. You know, Dak was thrown over the middle, and luckily the Lions don't have hands to intercept, you know, any sort of ball or pass. But, you know, that was sort of like a, a red flag saying, okay, you know, this is interesting. Maybe it was Dak reading the play the wrong way maybe it was the receiver who knows they'll correct it then the Bears game comes and Dak throws the interception down the middle same type of play CD's not reading it the right way it's like okay this is clearly an issue that needs to be fixed they have the bye week coming up they'll resolve it and then it happens twice in the Packers game and ultimately leads to 14 points so that was depressing and then of course the the run defense and I'm sure you know Dave will get into it but yeah just the run defense I thought was a letdown and um, Anthony Barr I think being out was a lot more significant than than a lot of fans thought going into this game and I always looked at him as more of a weaker point in this defense but when you look at their lack of um, linebacking depth that him being out missing one guy it totally changed the game for me so those are two areas for me that I was kind of like these are key turning points yeah I think just to like follow up on on the run defense point too especially with Barr being out um, I was kind of thinking that it would lead to more Damone Clark especially since that's he's the one who stepped up uh, against the Bears when when Barr went out. Dan Quinn rolled with Micah Parsons at off-ball linebacker for most of the game, and Parsons ended up having his quietest game maybe of his whole career at this point with how disruptive he, he's been. Um, he definitely looked like he was a little rusty. I know he was he was playing through some, some injuries as well. He was kind of hobbling after some plays, but it looked like he was a little rusty from playing that off-ball position because he's mostly been an edge rusher. Um, so that definitely did not help with the run defense. And then the same problems that they've been having on that part of the defense have been popping up and the Packers love running the ball. And it was kind of interesting right at the end of the, of the fourth quarter when the Packers got the ball and you think, okay, Aaron Rodgers is going to go down. Uh, he's going to, he's going to get him in field goal position. And then the Packers just decided to run it out. And I don't, I don't know what they were thinking at that point, but obviously they went into overtime and they ended up winning. So you know, Packers don't have to dwell on it that much. But uh, for me, really, the I already talked about the Christian Watson touchdown. Um, that was kind of where I started to lose hope. And then there was still a part in the back of my mind right after that where I was like, okay, the Cowboys, they've scored touchdowns on each of their last two drives. If they can keep up, keep up the hot streak, go down, score another touchdown, it's a two-score game again, you know, they can still do it. And then they started moving the ball. Then they had the screen to Michael Gallup that went for no yards, ran it to Tony Pollard. He gets stuffed. Then you're in third and nine and they don't, they don't pick it up. Um, so that was really the drive where I was like, this is, this is really not good. Cause now the Packers get the ball back again. Um, they went down the field again, of course, scored, tied the game. To me, that was really just, um, just really the turning point. Cause we knew that, the run defense was going to be susceptible at least to some extent. Packers have a really good run game. Um, and they actually run the same type of offense that the Bears ran because the Bears offensive coordinator was the QB coach for Green Bay the last couple of years. So it was 
you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is not Justin Fields, but they run the same type of offense. Bears gashed this defense on the ground two weeks ago. Um, so we knew that was going to happen, but you also figured this offense would be able to score some points. And especially with the Packers defense so banged up, it was kind of a situation where if the offense can just do the things that they're good at and take advantage of a bad defense or at least a hurting defense, it could be a different game. And they just didn't come through when we needed them to. And I think a lot of that too goes back to the slow start that this Cowboys offense has. It seems like every single week now, I, I really think the tone was set in the first three and out, the very first drive of the game when the Cowboys went three and out. I mean, you have to score early on. And and for whatever reason, that is an issue. And it's been a consistent issue throughout most of this season for the Cowboys. And I just can't seem to understand why, why it takes them so long to get their rhythm going. And especially, and look, I understand the last two games, you haven't had your, your full one-two punch with uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in. However, you have a Tony Pollard that clearly has shown he can handle the workload of, of being the running back one if you need him to be. Um, Malik Davis only getting five touches on the ball. That's not a one-two punch whatsoever. I mean, it, it is just there was no early threat established, especially with that run game. And there you have Dak, you know, kind of throwing for his life, if you will. And then there you have it. Turnovers. Guess what changes the game? Changes the entire trajectory of this football game. The two two turnovers that Dak Prescott had were capitalized on by the Packers and turned into 14 points really for them. And so I think you look at the things that really hurt them the most um, as those things, but also the lack of discipline in this game was so obvious. I mean, the penalties and here we go again, going to talk about penalties, but look, it's fair this week. It is fair to say that the Cowboys defeat themselves with these penalties. Some of them, I think the Jalen Tolbert one is, is the most talked about of just being controversial and, and if it was really worth the penalty flag or not, I get it. But also, you cannot put yourself in these situations and then just blame the penalties and win their throne. You should be in a better situation and ahead of the sticks that if something happens, okay, it doesn't throw you off or throw you back that much or take away from the big play that you struggled to get the drive before. I think... A lot of it, the penalties were just a lot of pre-snap um, emotional penalties. And I get it. This was an emotional game for Mike McCarthy. The guys wanted the win for their coach. 100% get it. This rivalry is just so legendary. I, I understand the emotions behind it. But when it's costing you the game, that's when you tone it down. And, and I think that was really the biggest defeat for them was they let themselves defeat themselves. I also think, too, looking at the, the Packers' schedule, they're not going to win uh, their next three games. And I think that's, at least in my opinion, you know, they're playing the Titans, they're playing the Eagles, they're playing the Bears. I mean, at least the first two, like the Titans have a really great defense and they have a great running back. And that was what we were hearing going into the week is that the Packers are weak in their run defense. You know, the Cowboys can run all over them. And like Jess was saying, it was kind of trying to be done in the beginning but then they weren't getting any success so they had to rely on throwing the football a little bit more and you know the the Packers they have like one other thing I wrote down is like they were creating names for no name players you have Rooney Ford who they were talking about as like he's an all pro safety and they were saying that he was majority a special teams player like special team safeties for the Cowboys have not done anything at safety I mean except for the goat Jeff Heath you know but it's just those are the players who the Cowboys have been associated with and Jeff Heath never had a two interception game where he's making tackles and run defense. Like, that guy was really good, but nobody knew who he was going into this game. And then Christian Watson, coming into this game, he had 10 catches for 88 yards, something like that, no touchdowns. And then he goes off for over 100 yards and three touchdowns against the Cowboys. So you look on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, this Packers team was the weakest that it's ever been in the previous three times that the Cowboys have played them. And it, there was a clear advantage. That's why I was so confident. I wrote the words in my, my last article before they played the Cowboys. The Cowboys, the 2022 Cowboys are better than the Green Bay Packers. They will win this game. And because I was so confident in this team and this roster, what we were seeing on the field. And I think I mentioned to Dave, it just seems like that this team cannot play well 
when they have time to prepare. Like it was almost like they prepared too much for this game. And I think if they played the Packers before the bye, maybe it would have been a different outcome. But it's just when you're sitting in those emotions for the whole bye week, knowing the game that's coming up and the emotions that were coming out before the game, during the game. I mean, Mike McCarthy was visibly frustrated, and that was the most animated I've ever seen him on the sideline, throwing the headset on the ground, and rightfully so. You know, should have been a pass interference call. But it's just there was so much bent-up emotion that I think it got the best of them, and that's what creates these names for these no-name guys. Yeah, and I definitely, going back to your point too, I I think – them having time to simmer on this game showed and, and something Dan Quinn talked about in his press conference on Monday was when you try too hard, then you're, you're going to lose if you try too much. Right. And it, it was just trying to force things that weren't there. A lot of the times it was, I mean, just sloppy, sloppy gameplay by, by the team, even special teams who we've praised the Cowboys special teams for, for weeks now. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it too, when um, you, you go back to looking at special teams is it, it, it could have been weather related. I talked to Christy scales today um, just about the actual weather, because it's one thing to watch this game on a TV and say, Oh, why didn't they do that? Well, when you're talking in a colder environment, in a Lambeau field environment, different decisions have to absolutely be made to win this game. So that brings me to my next question. The one of the probably the most controversial, I guess, topic of the game, Mike McCarthy's decision to go for it on fourth down in OT. Gentlemen, how are you feeling about it? I know I have my personal opinion on it. I will go last. I will just let you wonder what I'm going to say. And I'm dying to hear what you all have to say about that and and if you agreed with it or not and why. Dave, go first. And then Brandon, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, I, I completely agreed with the decision to go for it. Um, and, you know, the, for me, it really boils down to one thing. When you're in overtime like that, the last thing you want to do is give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. And so for Mike McCarthy at that point on fourth down, you can say, okay, well, if we kick the field goal, whether we make it or we miss it, we're giving it back to Aaron Rodgers because you're not winning with a field goal right there. That's a recipe for disaster. So if you go for it, you could give it back to Mike McCarthy. You could give it back to Aaron Rodgers if you don't get it, but you're certainly going to give it back to him if you kick the field goal. If you go for it, you get it, then you have a chance to go down the field, score a touchdown, win the game. Rodgers doesn't touch it. Uh, in that kind of situation, we've seen many times coaches make a decision that puts the ball back in Rodgers' hands and they lose. So I I agree with the mentality of not wanting to give him the ball back because it's going to result in exactly what happened is you lose to the Packers. Um, I do kind of question the process that led up to it, though. If you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, why do you throw to, to get the first down on third down? And, of course, that's, you know, that led to the play where there was very probably some pass interference that didn't get called. Why don't you try, you know, one of those draw plays that have been working so well for Tony Pollard? You know, if you if you don't get the two yards, then you know you can go for it on fourth down. Um, but if you do pick it up, you don't have to worry. You got another fresh set of downs. So I, I question that process and the play calling before that, which ultimately comes back to Kellen Moore. Um, but as for the actual decision making, I thought it was the right call. I don't think you can you can play scared in overtime in Lambeau. Um, I agreed with the decision. Yeah, I, I agree. I at first I uh, emotional me. I was like, what are you doing? You know, and but after I I started hearing things coming out of Lambeau, like you mentioned with Christie and talking about the field and the conditions. I know even they were talking about in the fan post game that the ball was just dying. I mean, Brett Maher, for all of his glory that he's been this season with with touchbacks and not allowing people to run out of the end zone. It, the ball would just, you'd see it sail in the air and then just die right before uh, the, the end zone. And, and that was happening all night. So he's kicking into the wind at that point. And it would have probably never made it. You figure you add maybe an extra few yards to that kick and it would have been a lot longer than what the actual distance was. But the crushing part was before that, the drive was going so well. The overtime drive started like they started marching down the field. I think the play of the game, what would have been if they ended up winning was the throw that Dak had to CeeDee Lamb over the middle the field where he gets absolutely blasted by Adrian Amos and somehow holds onto the ball like CD has been a very tough body catcher Dak threw it in the perfect position and he held onto the ball and created such a huge chunk play that it brought them to midfield already and they still had like this momentum going they weren't rushing it was so free-flowing 
And then you have the penalties happen. You know, you have the offsides with Jalen Tolber, which me, I, I was so upset with that because why do you have somebody in that role when they have not performed at all uh, this season? Where's Noah Brown? Where's Michael Gallup? CeeDee Lamb was in motion, but where are your two starters? Where are the guys that actually know how to play football right now? And I, I, I respect Jalen Tolbert. I think that he has a bright future in Dallas, but he hasn't shown us anything at, to this point to be in that very crucial situation. Um, but then also too the the McGovern hold. I mean that's such a ticky tack call, you know, um, with that play and then also the pass interference call. It just it didn't feel like anything was going in the Cowboys' favor. So at least on a fourth down call, maybe you take a shot and and throw a ball and maybe you get a pass interference. But just like what Dave said, the play call. I from what I was hearing also in the post game is that Mike McCarthy clicked over and said, hey, you know, on second down, have a play call ready for fourth down. Like we're going for it on fourth. So like you said, Dave, and they called the timeout too before the play. So it's like you had extra time to figure out what play you're running and looking at the replay and slowing it down. You could see that Michael Gallup is trying to go over the middle, but it looks like that it's such an in-between, like could he have thrown the ball? But it, the, the pocket closed in, and you could see that the tackles were beat, McGovern was beat, Biotish was struggling with, with Zach Martin. So the the fact that Dak was able to hold on to the ball, it looked like it was going to be a strip sack um, to end the game, but he was able to get it out to Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard should have cut towards the middle of the field, almost like a Texas route, you know, and and like actually juke somebody out because he has that type of mobility, you know, like why are you going out to the flat and trying to elevate and jump up in the air for a ball when you're not a tall guy, you know? So I just think that like, like Dave said, the play call, was not the best. Um, I, I agree with going for it on fourth down because you can't give Aaron Rodgers the ball um, at all in overtime because you know what's going to happen. You know, and again, Mike McCarthy knows Aaron Rodgers. He knows if he gets the ball back, they're either going to kick the field goal um, if they you know got the ball first to, to put the pressure on Dallas, or if he gets the ball back, he's going to go down and score to win. So I agree with the call, just not the play call on fourth down. Yeah, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna join in here and say I agree with the call to go for it on fourth down here because what's interesting to me is uh, Cowboys fans. I love y'all, I really do, but dang, sometimes you drive me wild because all season everybody's been saying, why isn't Mike McCarthy being more aggressive? Why doesn't he go for it on fourth down? Well, he does. He takes that chance, and now y'all have a problem with it. I mean, you can't have one and not the other. Like you either want him to be aggressive with this. Or you don't. And I don't think there was even more of a risk at that point with him going for it. Because talking to Christy today, who was at the game, she gosh, she's so knowledgeable when it comes to all of this kind of stuff. She said the cold weather, it was just getting colder. It makes the ball heavier. So if you look back even at the field goals that were being kicked throughout the game, it was hard for them. And you even saw our sweet prince, Brett Maher, keeping his foot warm to do everything he could to control the temperature of his foot, of the ball, everything. I mean, it, it absolutely had nothing to do with the confidence that, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy did or did not have in Brett Maher or the defense or whatever narratives Cowboys Twitter is trying to make up right now. It's strategically, Mike McCarthy isn't making these decisions for narratives. It's all strategically done based on your weather conditions, based on your players, based on every single thing. So to me, it's absolutely the right call to go for it on fourth down because you even look at, um, they were talking about the field goal kicker with, um, or the field goal, the kicker with Green Bay and how he was even struggling pregame to make a lot of those kicks. Again, that has to do with weather conditions. You're playing their coldest game of the season so far. And I'm not saying this is an excuse by any means, but it changes how you have to play. And you didn't see a lot of guys even slipping throughout the entirety of this game. Kevontae Turpin, perfect example. He was sliding around the place. And you can't control that. I mean, cleats, sure. But to, to some extent, you cannot control that. And so... What you can control is trying to be more aggressive, trying to go for it on fourth down at that point. So I absolutely agree with Mike McCarthy's decision to go for it there. Now, had it worked, everybody would be so happy that he went for it on fourth down. It would just be such a different conversation. But just because it didn't work, everybody has a problem with it. And it just drives me absolutely wild. But, you know, I, I will say in terms of play calling, I think that's the issue that, like you both said, should be taken up a little bit more, um, should be talked about more because it was the series of events that led up to that fourth down when you go back and you look at it. Um, as far as Jalen Tolbert, 
uh, and and that ridiculous call, that's exactly what I think it was. However, you can't put yourself in a position to get anything called on you when you're in those kind of overtime situations or just anything at all. And again, you go back to had the Cowboys not allowed the Packers to come back from a 14-point deficit, there would have been no overtime for the PI call to begin with. So it's very easy to point blame at what was you know the the downfall or anything like that. But altogether, it was just a very sloppy game, I think, in my opinion, by the Cowboys. Uh, any positives to come out of this? I know we've been talking about a lot more of the negative side. Jess, I'll, I'll kind of throw it back to you. I mean, it, it's a lot, you know, to, to unpack. And like I said, I, I think sort of more of like this gut punch feeling is, is how I feel. And it's tough to kind of look at more of the positive side. Um, I think the one thing for me, I look at somebody like we already talked about, like a, a Malik Davis, you know, proving that he's a legitimate running back. I thought he did really well in his touches. And you figure if Connor McGovern didn't get that hold, uh, he was moving down the field, getting the first down and looked great. You know, again, these like draw plays, he's up the middle plays. I thought he was great. And if Tony Pollard leaves in the offseason in free agency and, Z- and Zeke is still on the team under contract, I think he provides a really good number two role uh, moving forward and whoever they draft as as a rookie. But I'll, I'll throw it to you. Any sort of positives? I mean, let's let's amp it up a little bit. Let's let's get the people going on a on a Tuesday. And anything to take away? You you were just such a ray of sunshine. I'm trying. I, I am really trying. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I think as much as we can talk about the miscommunication issues that were very evident, especially with CD and Dalton Schultz on that one interception, CD had himself a very great game. I think personally, I think CD is starting to break out into his own. And I think he's becoming more and more of a clutch player for Dak. Um, And I, I just think you can continue to see that grow with that as well, though. I think what you saw is the groundwork being set for some of the younger guys that eventually will have to step up in these positions. And, um, you know, I think anytime you see any kind of growth um, because of an injury, right? I, I mean, with um, 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 Anthony Brown, they, they got out with the concussion protocol, automatically it's next man up mentality. And so I think giving these younger guys a chance to step up and get those reps in, because really these are the kind of things you have to learn on the job. And Dan Quinn talked about that in his press conference on Monday, how this is a lot of on the job situational type of things. You can practice it and practice all you want, but you're really not going to learn until you get in, in the game. And so if anything, yeah, the, the future's bright, guys this guy's not falling like I think because it's the Packers and because it's such a generational rivalry and it has so much that's already just been so defeating as a Cowboys fan and this was the one year that I really think we you know we as Cowboys fans went in there knowing wholeheartedly knowing that this Cowboys team was better it was more deflating and and that's why it gives more of a playoff kind of loss feeling uh for for Monday and and probably going into the beginning of the week but Really, the season's not over. Y'all, the Cowboys still have one of the best records in the league. Like, chill. It's okay. It's fine. We're all fine. And another positive, because, Howman, I'm going to pass back to you, but we have our sweet prince, Brett Money Maher. What else could you want on a team? Come on. Yeah, I mean, what else could you want? Brett Maher, I mean, again, he was he was perfect for the day. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't miss. So, uh you know, and, and like you said, Jess, they've got one of the best records in the league still. Um, I mean, they have the same record as the Bills. Who who thought that that would be the case at this point? Um, and, and by the way, the Bills, they lost in a, another overtime game to the Vikings, who the Cowboys play next. Josh Allen, you know, is, is playing out of his mind right now. He had two picks, one of them in overtime, and it sealed the game for the Vikings. So, um, you know, it's... It's it's one game. Um, it it really sucked. The whole game um, was just really hard to watch, and you know there's a lot of things that have to be corrected from this game. But you know if, if you want the positive, the positive li- outline here is it's one game. It's over. It's behind us now. I think McCarthy even said today like we're on to Minnesota, channeling his inner Belichick. Like you know there's there's more games left in the season. Um, you know, and this, this team has played pretty well for the vast majority of this year. I mean, they survived through when, when Dak Prescott was out, they came out with a winning record and, and three games with Dak back and two of them, they've looked really, really good. Um, so, 
I mean, there wasn't much that I really saw in the actual game that was super positive, but uh, I think going forward, there's even a possibility that this game and this experience might make them all that tougher for it. Having been through this experience, now they, you know, have something to kind of uh, to build towards of, of not letting this happen again. And I think it could end up in the long run being good for them. And also too the it, like you mentioned the record seven and or six and three rather usually is like number one in the division but unfortunately with the cowboys and the nfc east for some reason the nfc east decided to be great while the cowboys have one of the better teams in the past decade and uh, looking at the division right now i mean as we're recording this the eagles are down 14 to 20 at halftime uh playing the commanders but the giants keep winning so it's like you you lose one game, but you have to get right back into it. Like McCarthy was talking about how they're on to Minnesota. Like there's no time to sit and dwell on this. I I think if they if they lost this game and they were going into the bye week and it was sitting with them for a full week, I don't think that's great uh, for any team to deal with. But I think now it's like okay, we need to move on. I I always felt that when I was looking at the the schedule during uh, the preseason, I always thought that they were going to be splitting these games between the Vikings and the Packers. I just thought it would be the other way around. They beat the Packers or lose to the Packers, beat the Vikings. So now they have to do it the other way. They have to beat the Vikings. And again, it's another challenging running back that you're going to have to deal with. And oh, the week after it's Saquon Barkley. So this problem with run defense has to be fixed right away. And I think they have the right mentality for it moving forward. Yeah. And I think another positive too, is it puts more of an immediate purpose into fixing that run defense, because we've been talking about it for the last 10 weeks, just the run defense, you know, this Cowboys defense is so special, but their kryptonite is the run defense. Now you don't have a choice. It's either you fix this or you allow this to be the issue that doesn't allow you to move forward come playoff time or even in the playoffs. So it's a now or very, very now or never type of situation for the run defense. But no, I think when uh, hearing Dan Quinn in the press conference today talk about kind of how he plans to go forward with this, I have all the faith in the world in in Dan Quinn that, yeah, it's going to be fixed. I mean, is it going to be fixed immediately? No, but it was also, you know, it was very reassuring to hear him say, he was straight up asked, hey, do you have the right guys to fix this problem? He said, yeah, 100%. We have the bodies we need. We just need to do it. And so, yeah, I think uh, that is, it, it is what it is. And uh, I hate, I hate that uh, it had to be the Packers, of course, that the Cowboys lost to because it just makes it feel worse. I, and I'm telling you, this is genuinely a generational trauma kind of thing for Cowboys fans. So if you're feeling bad, that's okay. But at some point, y'all, we got to move on. We got to turn the page. We have to be a little bit more realistic to you know, how much better it, it is going to feel on Sunday if the Cowboys can pull off the win against the Vikings. And I personally feel like this is a Cowboys locker room that performs better when they think they're the underdogs. And going into this Viking game, this Vikings game, 100% the underdogs um, with this game. So definitely something to keep in mind. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But I did want to kick off our power rankings for the week because... It's a very easy thing to do when the Cowboys are winning. These rankings are fun, easy. It's almost hard, and you feel bad for leaving so many guys out of these rankings. I'm going to keep going with the positives here because I like that. I don't like being negative. Let's keep going with the positives. Brandon, I'm going to have you kick it off. Who did you have at 10, 9, and 8 on your rankings for the week? Yeah, at 10... Uh, I have Luke Gifford and CJ Goodwin. I think that, you know, you mentioned special teams. Uh, I thought that there were some glimmers of hope when it came to the special teams unit. I, I thought Gifford was great. He had five tackles uh, on a special teams unit that, you know, again, they were slipping and sliding all over the place. Um, but, you know, having five tackles on special teams, usually you only have five tackles when you're playing defense. So five tackles for him was was awesome. And he recovered the fumble that Hendershot had um, on the kickoff, which, again, you get the ball or 
or you give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. I think they were up 14 at that point. They could easily be down 21 to seven and Dallas ended up going down and scoring a touchdown and make it 14, 14. Um, and also CJ Goodwin, he had the force fumble, um, you know, that allowed Dallas to score after it was a three and out going into the second half. Um, so I thought that both players played really well. I look at also nine uh, special teams again, Brian Anger. I thought, you know, on a night where it was cold, the ball was dying, nothing was going well. He was definitely the better punter and was needed in, in tough situations to pin the Packers back to make it a long field for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he averaged over 49 yards a punt and had a long of 58 yards. So I thought he was great. And then at number eight, I had Malik Davis. We talked about him earlier. I thought he was very explosive in his second game with the Cowboys. And like I mentioned, you know, if Pollard leaves in free agency, I think you found a guy um, that you're able to rely on moving forward to develop and grow. And Rico Dowdle, I know, is developing or dealing with another injury yet again, back to back season. So I think that he at least solidifies the youth of that room moving forward. And um, it's just amazing, again, that the Cowboys cut him and were able to get him on the practice squad. And it just shows that sometimes it's just you like our guys, you trust who you evaluate. And I give a lot of credit to the scouting department. So I got Luke Gifford, CJ Goodwin, Brian Anger, and Malik Davis. Uh, Dave, let's get your bottom three. Yeah, well, it, it's kind of ironic because I'm going to have a little bit of crossover here. Um, at 10, I had Luke Gifford. Um, he he really stood out to me on special teams. And, I mean, he he really deserves some some flowers too because he's been, he's been a great special teamer for a couple years now. Um, and, you know, I remember back in preseason, it seemed like a lot of people were kind of writing him off after the Cowboys added Devin Harper and they brought in Anthony Barr. It seemed like they weren't going to have a spot for him. You know, he made the team. He's been a core special teamer all year, and he had a lot of tackles. And then, like you mentioned, he recovered that fumble, which, you know, if he doesn't fall on that and the Packers get it, that could have been game right there before we even had all the drama of overtime. Um, so maybe it actually would have been better if we didn't, you know, if we had the game end earlier and didn't have to go through it all. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, Gifford, Gifford's been playing great all year. He had a really phenomenal game um, this week. Um, and then at nine, I actually had Micah Parsons and I, I really, I really struggled having him that low, but, um, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you know, this was his quietest game just from a statistical standpoint, um, that he's had maybe in his whole career. Um, a lot of that was because he was playing off ball linebacker because, you know, with, with the way that the Packers were playing, there weren't a whole lot of true pass rushing opportunities for him, um, but, you know, that said, he did have a lot of tackles. He made some good plays in the run game. He just was not the Micah Parsons we're accustomed to. Uh, so for that reason, he ends up all the way down at nine, but he still makes the top 10 for me. Uh, and then at number eight, I had Donovan Wilson, who I think uh, had a really good game. But the reason that he dropped a few spots for me um, was just because he had that, uh, that late hit, the unnecessary roughness, and that's been, unfortunately, a recurring theme for Wilson. He has so much talent. I've been a huge fan of him since he was drafted. But he always, you know, he has these moments where he comes in, comes in late. He makes an unnecessary uh, late hit or something, and it results in a penalty. And I just, you're always bringing up the penalties. And for me, when it's guys that are repeat offenders, it just, it, it really becomes a problem of, like, like when are you going to learn at this point? And for Wilson... You know, he's been in the league long enough. He's had this problem long enough. And to see it prop up again in such a big game, um, for me, it, it dropped him a little bit more than his play normally would have had him at. Wow. You you just continue to shock us all here. But, <laughs> no, I understand. When it, when it comes to penalties, I'm usually pretty harsh with my top 10, and I will knock people down spots. So I get it. Don't you worry. But, um, interestingly enough, my bottom three are a mix between both of y'all. So... Love that for us. But number 10, this hurt me too, was Micah Parsons. Oh, wow. I know. I <laughs> Trust me, I know. It was, it was hard. It was very hard writing that down. I had Micah at number 10 because even though this was not Micah's best game, he still had five tackles, two assists. I mean, that, that's not great for Micah, but it's not bad for any kind of professional football player on the defense. Like I almost feel so spoiled. I feel like a spoiled brat when I'm like, Oh, Micah wasn't productive. How dare him only have five tackles. I mean, listen to us. That's ridiculous, but it's not as impactful as we've seen. Uh, Davey just explained why. So we won't go back around to that, 
But uh, yeah, number 10, I had Mike Parsons. Number nine, I had Brian Anger because shout out to Brian Anger's leg. Thank you so much for being you and contributing all the wonderful things that you do to this team. He was pounding that ball. I mean, Brian Anger was, uh, he was angry. He was, he was <laughs> angry. He was really full force. Uh, at boo, his boo. I know, I'm working on it. I, I might have some other ones later. Don't worry. Um, but he was playing at his best. I think Brian Inger, especially in the conditions, the weather conditions you talk about at Lambeau Fields, for a you know for any kind of player to yeet the ball like that in those weather conditions, absolute talent. So love that. Number eight, I had Malik Davis because, again, I couldn't have him any higher when he only had five touches on the ball, but he was productive with those five touches. I just wish he would have, you know, been added a little bit more into the play call to be more of a one-two punch. And, and you know, the rest is as she wrote, right? I mean, you can't really say much, but he was productive. And, and of course, I think in the previous week ahead of the bye against the Bears, he also had a great game. But Malik Davis was my number eight. Brandon, we're going back. Who do you have for seven, six, and five? Did you say uh, anger Anger yeeted the ball? Is that, was that, did that come yeeted. out? Of, yeah. <laughs> His foot yeeted the hell out of that thing. Like, <laughs> Did you not see that? I no. know. Listen, he, he he was number nine for me. I just never thought that it would be used in a sentence. I, I commend you for that. You yeah. Uh, Look, <laughs> you didn't like my angry pun. I had to go with something else. All right. Uh, I was, felt nervous. I it, felt the nerves. It was good. Uh, You know, you guys are throwing Micah under the bus. Uh, Micah, if you ever listen to this podcast, David, Jess, you know, I have him at number seven. So we'll, he's he's a little bit higher than, than their rankings. But it, for all the reasons why you guys said he's, he's below – it's the same reason for me. He was playing out of position in this game. You know, he's better at defensive end, but even when he's playing defensive end and they're running straight at him, he gets pushed out because he's he's a smaller defensive end. He's he's lean. He's not as built as someone like a tank that can take on these tackles. So it, it the Anthony Barr injury, like I said, played, I think, a bigger factor than we thought going into this game. Micah was uh, forced to play linebacker a lot more. And yes, there were times where he was getting completely washed. If you go back and look at the Aaron Jones run, he just makes the wrong read and just doesn't cut the right way. Um, but for the most part, I thought that when it came to comparing him to Leighton Vander Esch playing next to each other, uh, next to each other, you saw Parsons jump a lot faster, make the right read a lot quicker. So I commend him for that. Uh, Dalton Schultz, I had at number six, and I don't know if he's a little bit higher, but I think that for a lot of people, you know, you look at him as his uh, go-to guy for Dak Prescott. I thought that when he needed to make a play, he stepped up. When the Cowboys were backed up after the McGovern penalty that we keep talking about, uh, Schultz had a great catch um, to make it third and manageable to get to that fourth down call. Um, and he also had another chunk play that was, you know, in the beginning of the game that, again, it was a second, second and long, and it was a catch for 37 yards. So I thought that Schultz continues to be great. And he had that great touchdown too. So good for him. Number five, I had Zach Martin. I think, you know, you look at the right side of the offensive line for the Cowboys. It's been an absolute monster between him and Steele in the running game. Um, and Martin is a big reason for that. He was on my list last week and possibly the week before. So I continue to see what value he brings in a leadership role and helping Steele develop as a tackle. And I thought that, again, he was also the highest graded pass blocker in a night where the pocket was closing a little bit more on Dak towards the end of the game. Zach Martin was keeping everything clean for Dak um, in that area. So I thought Martin performed really, really well, too. So Parsons, Schultz, and Martin, those are my next three. Dave, what about you? All right, at number seven, I had C.D. Lamb, um, which oh. I'm sure... Some people will uh, will not like me for continue and to shock. We that's me. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely me. I'm people. <laughs> and um, I mean, really, honestly, for me, the the biggest thing we've kind of touched on it a little bit already, but um, you know, the miscommunication uh, in in that first half. Um, you know, and we we've seen this repeatedly with with Lamb this year, where he doesn't run the right route or he doesn't get the right depth. In this case. Um, you know, the, the first interception, I think, was actually more on Schultz, as Greg Olson explained on the broadcast. Um, but then the late, the later one, C.D. Lamb, he, he's running a post instead of the dig. He's supposed to be running the dig based on the, the coverage that he saw. And Dak is putting his trust in him. He's, you know, all offseason, the Cowboys were saying, like, Lamb's going to be our number one guy. We're going to build the whole offense around him. And Dak's, you know, he's banking on that. He's trusting him on these throws that he's going to run the right route, and he doesn't. And it turns into an interception and then turns into points the other way. 
Um, so, I mean, Lamb had a great game the rest of the way. You know, you have 100 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I'm not going to, you know, take any issues with that. Um, but, you know, several games now this year where Lamb, you know, he runs the wrong route or he, you know, has some drops and then he goes and makes up for it later in the game. And that's commendable. I just wish that there weren't so many opportunities for him to actually make up for those mistakes. Um, so that's why he ends up a little bit low for me. At number six, I had Malik Davis, which we've already talked about a little bit. He was not used as much. I would have wanted to see more use for him, but that's not really his fault. When he got the ball, he was great. Um, I really like the fact that they they found him. I think it's a little ironic, you know, with, with all the talk about Ezekiel Elliott and how much money he's making. Um, I, I like Zeke. I like what he brings to the team, but with Malik Davis and even a little bit with Pollard being a, a fourth-round pick, they're kind of proving that you can find really productive running backs without having to spend all this money or invest a high-round pick. Um, so I really like what I saw out of Davis. Then at number five, Brian Anger. Um, you know, he was eating that ball everywhere. Um, so Well done. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Anger is a great punter. And unfortunately with this game, it ended up becoming a, a game of field position. And you never want to rely on your punter that much. But Anger stepped up to the plate and you know, he did his part. That he absolutely did. I will agree wholeheartedly with that statement. And um, not just because you said yeeted, but just because I genuinely agree. Um, going on now, uh, my seven, six, and five, number seven, I had Michael Gallup. And that's only because, again, there was a second there in the game. All of our hearts just sank thinking he had a knee injury. And, of course, obviously after that he was taken out for a little while, he did come back in, so great to see there. Haven't heard uh, much of an update on that, so I'm assuming we haven't heard an update. There's really not much of an update to give. Um, but, you know, I just knocked him a little lower because he wasn't in the entire portion of the game. Obviously not his fault, but he was, again, proving to proving to become more and more in the wide receiver one conversation. I think as uh, the season continues on, it's – very clear that this is a team full of potential wide receiver ones. Just give them time. I think Michael Gallup's a perfect example of that. A lot of people don't realize how long it actually takes to recover post knee injury to come back and to do the things Michael Gallup does to make those catches, man. So, so much respect for Michael Gallup, a very great guy on and off the field. Um, I, I really have enjoyed watching his progression. So just had to give him some love because I know my heart sank. Uh, when I heard Michael Gallup knee injury um, again. Number six, I had Dalton Schultz. Mr. Dalton Schultz continues to just be clutch for his quarterback. I mean, man, Dalton Schultz plays when Dak is in. He rides for his quarterback. Of course, miscommunication bug also bit him, and, and you just talked about that, Hellman. But I think genuinely you see a different Dalton Schultz with Dak Prescott, and he's just becoming more and more of a clutch receiver more than anything else uh, for for Dak Prescott. So it's interesting to watch that, watching his progression and um, the fact that he continues to just be a stable part of this offense for Dak is is great to see. Uh, speaking of stability, number five, I had wide receiver one, C.D. Lamb, because C.D. had a great game. Howman, why are you being so resentful on this top 10 power ranking? My God. First, you're talking about knocking people down because of penalties, and now you're mad at C.D. like – are you okay? Just, are you okay? That's, wow. That's, that's a little harsh. <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? Um, go listen to some Taylor Swift. It'll be okay. I, I believe in you. Um, but no, I, I understand your point about CD, but I think um, CD for me, it's, it's just been a lot of scrutiny for him. I mean, this entire season, the guy cannot catch a break I, I, and I get it. He has mistakes that shouldn't be happening at this point, especially 10 weeks in, you're at the halfway point of the season. I understand that. I get it. Um, but I also think when the play calling is not exactly working for the entire offense, that kind of has a lot to do with um, what we are not seeing in CD just yet. Uh, personally, I think play calling has a lot to do with that. 
Um, but I think CD had a great game given the circumstances of how the offense was playing. I think he would have had an even better game if the third down efficiency for the Cowboys was better uh, than it was. I mean, I had the stats pulled up earlier. I don't know if I can find them quickly, but that third down efficiency was something that the Cowboys had put a lot of emphasis on, um, you know, ahead of even the Bears game a couple of weeks ago. And they did. They fixed it. And we said, hooray. That's uh, now a problem of the past. Not anymore. They were 5 of 15 in their third down efficiency, which is awful. You want to talk about not giving guys plays? Well, when you're not, when your third down efficiency is that bad, mm, yeah, that's that's exactly why. So, uh, yeah, I had CD at, what was that, number five? Yes. So, Brandon, who did you have for four, three, and two? Number four is simply off of trust. Um, I'm a guy that likes to build trust and rapport when I trust people. They're in my top 10, and I trust Demarcus Lawrence. I think that not only did he have the strip sack fumble, which looked like it was going to be the play of the game, if not for the interception in the red zone, um, but he also continues to be that when the run defense struggles, he's the definition of consistency. He's the one guy that steps up in run defense. He's the guy that all the defensive ends need to sit in a room and talk with him in a roundtable format and say, you know, what do you do? Like, like pick his brain. Cause the guy knows how to defend the run. There was a play that I think it was the, the Packers opening drive or something happened where he knifed through the defense and tackled Aaron Jones in the backfield, almost to set the tone to say, you're not going to do this for us and uh, to do this to us in the second half. And unfortunately it didn't go that way, but I just like the way Demarcus Lawrence is playing. I think he's playing at a pro bowl level, all pro borderline um, right now. And just again, consistent. And again, he's helping out the, the Cowboys front office with the deal that he restructured his contract uh, in the offseason. So we appreciate you D law. Um, number three, I have Dak Prescott um, again, might be a little bit higher for some people, but I didn't feel like he had the absolute best game in the world. Uh, this was his first road game of the season, which is crazy to believe. But when you think about the time that he's missed and playing only in the home games, it's like, oh, OK, that actually makes sense. So he was thrown into the fire a little bit, but he talked about it during the week, how he understands that this is his first road game, but he's played in Lambeau. He knows how the environment is going to be. I don't think he realized how tough it would be. I thought the crowd noise was ridiculous. I mean, give credit to all the Packers fans, all the Cowboys fans that showed out. I thought that the TV wasn't doing it justice. I'm sure it was a lot louder there um, than what we heard. But you look at, you know, he he did throw a lot of great passes. The touch pass to C.D. Lamb, um, that was a big gain. And then also the touchdown throw that he had. And like I said, the throws over to the middle. So he was doing all the right things. But the interceptions, what we were talking about with miscommunication, if that truly is the problem, then as the quarterback, the leader of the Dallas Cowboys, like you have to take initiative to, to squash those problems. And I think that if it continues, it's like, well, what's the disconnect? Is it Lamb or is it Dak? Like you guys need to work together. And yes, Dak missed time with injury. You know, they're still trying to develop a rapport. You were building it a little bit slowly by slowly, you know, with the Lions game and the Bears game. Then you have the bye week and it kind of derails things, I guess, in a sense and they probably weren't getting a lot of work in during the bye week. So I think that moving forward, things will improve, but I put him at number three for that reason. Number two, I have Tony Pollard, the hauler. Um, TM pending on the nickname. Uh, I, I think that there's nothing more we can say about Tony that hasn't already been said. He's stacked good game on top of good game. He's playing his way out of Dallas next season. I think that people are saying that he's a legitimate RB1. Uh, you, you heard his dis displeased with uh skip pete you know saying that he can only take 32 touches a game he's like no nah, i could do more i could do more than that 32 carries and he had 72 snaps you know so the guy uh played really really well i thought you know having over 100 yards again with the century mark the touchdown i thought was perfect the draw play like you talked about dave it, like keep going to that do that moving forward because he's an explosive runner that that's his play. You know, you see the lineman, Terrence Steele's getting out and just bulldozing people, and Tony's just able to knife through like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, and just just make big plays, make great things happen. So I think that moving forward, you know, he will probably be in the conversation when Zeke comes back of, again, getting a little bit more touches, which I'm okay with because if Zeke's still kind of struggling with the knee, give him more rest. Don't overload him too much coming back from injury. So I have Pollard the holler at number two. Dave? three or uh what is it five or four three two yeah number four i have um both zach martin and tyler biotish and i wanted to include those two as kind of a, a package deal because 
Um, they were opening up holes for Pollard in the run game all day. Those two guys have been, uh, in my estimation, they've been the two most consistent linemen for the Cowboys this year, especially in the run game. They're both just maulers. Um, and a lot of, especially, you know, Brandon, you talk about the, the draw plays, like a lot of those were ones where, you know, the uh, Martin and Biotish are like getting out there. They're, they're getting downfield and creating holes for Pollard. And then at that point, his speed just takes over. So um, I've been impressed with those two all year. And I thought they were especially good in this game. Uh, number three, Dak Prescott, um, same as Brandon. Um, I, you know, I personally, I expected more out of him. So he, he could have been higher had he gone down and, you know, led the team to a score in the fourth quarter or an overtime led, led the game winner. He definitely would have been higher. Um, but another thing to point out is not only was this his first road game and it was in the cold, but also he threw 46 passes. That's the most passes in a game he's had all year. Um, obviously part of that is just because he hasn't played a whole lot of games, but I mean, you talk about having his most passing attempts all year coming his first road game. It's in the cold. It's in Lambeau, in a in a hard to play environment and, you know, his, his hand coming off of that, that injury. I think all things considered, he, he played pretty well. Um, obviously he could have done better and that's why he's not closer to the top for me. Um, and ahead of him at number two, also copying Brandon, I have Tony Pollard. Um, I think, you know, he, he kind of answered all those kind of halfway critics of, oh, he can't actually be a, an RB1. He has to tap out at a certain point. Well, he came back and set a career high for single game carries and he looked great doing it. So uh, he, he kind of answered all those criticisms and he was one of the most consistent players throughout the game. Dang, sometimes I wish we did not think so much alike because now I'm just going to seem boring. Um, Jess, you're never boring. Stop that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I try. I really try. Sometimes I'm a little boring. But uh, for this, we're at 4-3-2. and So number four, I had Dak Prescott. Um, Again, obviously not his best game. We know that. Dak knows that. The the respect I have for Dak Prescott as this quarterback and as the leader of this team, though, is – so ridiculously high that even though of course we know statistically he didn't have a great game and his pass rating was so high because of the run game really not being established I just really think Dak went out there and of course didn't didn't look like the Dak Prescott we wanted him to look like but also give him some grace y'all like he really is playing his first away game in the freezing cold at Lambeau Field that feels like temperature was 25 degrees I would just like to point that out 25 degrees and he's going out there post throwing hand injury like give him a break y'all give him a break also he wouldn't have quote had the chance to look so bad if the run game was being established and what does that go back to that goes back to play calling so my biggest vendetta with this game was uh, definitely play calling but uh number three i had donovan wilson because i know dave you, do you understand why i was just picking on you earlier um First of all, I I am the conductor of two trains here. That is the Turpin train and the Dono train here on the Writer's Block podcast. So the disrespect to my guy, Dono, I'm not taking it. So luckily, Dono, if you're listening, you're at number three on my list. Unlike some people who put you lower, (laughs) wouldn't be me. But uh, Dono, I have him at number three because, again, this is a player you didn't even expect to have this good of a season. Like, I will just keep going back to that. Dono has continued to establish dominance within this defense. And uh, Dan Quinn talked about him in the press conference on Monday, specifically just, you know, going in and and saying all the good things about Dono, which absolutely agree with. Um, So yeah, Dono, I had a number three, number two, here we go. I had Tony Pollard at number two. Oh my goodness. I I'm telling you, it was very boring. Um, I don't know why y'all talk about him being gone next year. Like, chill with that because I don't want to hear it. You were really bursting my bubble when, when y'all talk about it. I get it. But also he's still here. He's still in Dallas. There's no need to talk about that right now. Thank you very much. Uh, Tony Pollard uh, again, just continue to proving why he's such a powerful running back. Like Tony Pollard just gets better and better. I think with every game we, we see of him and um, I, I think establishing himself and his presence has been so huge for him this season that opposing defenses have to prepare for Tony Pollard. He has that well-respected and well-earned, you know, fear 
that he gives opposing defenses. And maybe he doesn't wear them down as much as Zeke does, um, but he is impactful. So Tony Pollard, absolutely love him and what he produced in Sunday's game. Brandon, who did you have at number one? I'm just dying to know. It was Donovan. No, I'm kidding. Dono is Gano for me. Uh, I, I, and I know. Gano, if you keep talking about him like that. <laughs> uh, Jess, how are you going to feel when Tony Pollard and Donovan Wilson are not with the Cowboys next year with the uh, contract not going to be here? It's going to be somewhere I'm gonna else. I'm going to blame both of you. I'm going to blame both of you and say it's because they heard this podcast and they were so upset. They said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. So I will happily point the finger at both of you guys all right we'll take it uh well you might not like this one i have cd lamb at number one uh for me i know and i know i know you had him lower um again cd lamb if you're listening to this please don't hate me i'm i'm, I'm a fan uh the other two not so much um but i i look at his play yes it, i always look at things as a glass half full i look at how we've been asking cd lamb to play really well this season and this was the first game the cowboys didn't have a hundred yard receiver all season and there was this talk about obj all week and you see finally like in a week where we're trying to figure out where the wide receiver room is going to stack up for the rest of the season he has a great game. He has his best game of the season. And it was his multi first multi-touchdown game of the season since um, the New England Patriot game last year in overtime. So, again, it just seems like he plays really well in these types of games in these situations. And, yeah, there were a lot of mental mistakes. But I looked at, like I said, the route over the middle in overtime. That was a huge play that we would probably be talking about a lot more if they won the game. So I give CeeDee Lamb a lot more credit. I think that he's going to be grading a little bit higher moving forward because I think him and Dak are going to be working these kinks out that we've been talking about. I think I just have too much faith in Dak being the leader and CD Lamb, you know, dealing with this type of criticism. Like I said, the whole week they were hearing that Odo Beckham should be coming to Dallas. It's like, well, what about me? And he's all for it. He, It's like, this is his guy. But that doesn't mean that he can't perform well if we're trying to figure this whole situation out. So for me, CeeDee Lamb, I have at number one. He was a little lower for you guys, but I'm grading on a curve. I'm an easy grader. If I was a teacher, everybody would be getting A's. Yeah, well, um, if, if CD is listening to this, uh, I just want to point out I have a CD jersey. I got it right after the Cowboys drafted him. Haven't gotten another Cowboys jersey since, so I'm staying loyal to Look CD. Look at that. We love that. <laughs> I also have high expectations. Ooh. So that that's that's why the, the grade this week wasn't as good, but that I still love watching. backhanded compliment, by the way. <laughs> I just want to point out how backhanded that was. I love you, but you don't meet my expectations. <laughs> no, this week. This week. Okay. He didn't. Yeah. Wow. But I'm, I'll still be wearing his jersey next week. You can count on it. Toxic. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, so my number one uh, was Demarcus Lawrence. Um, and I, I just, I've been a big Demarcus Lawrence fan, even when people, you know, say like, oh, well, he doesn't have as many sacks. But he does so many other things. He he creates for other players in the pass rush game. He also has a phenomenal run defender. Um, it, it's not a it's not a coincidence that most of the runs that the Cowboys give up on this defense when we talk about their run defense are when they're running to the opposite side of the field from where Lawrence is. Um, and in this game, it just felt like every time that they ran close to him, he was there to make a play, whether it was actually making the tackle or it was redirecting it to somebody else back inside where you know, Jonathan Hankins or Quinton Bohana were at. Uh, and then you know he had the he had the strip sack. Marcus Lawrence he had a complete game for me, so he gets the top score for me. All right, you get some points back for me because uh, <laughs> Tank is also my number one this week. Because of course, when you are just here's the thing, it's it's so interesting when we think of age in in football terms, right? I mean, these are guys in their younger thirties. We're like, oh, they're so old. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. But when he's playing like he has been this season, he looks very vintage tank. And he just absolutely has this different kind of fire under him this season. And you see it, you feel it, you feel his presence in this defense. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers sure was feeling the presence in his defense. A couple missed tackles there by Tank, and I guarantee, like, had he not had those, I guarantee you there would have been more than one sack going on there during this game. I mean, he was just absolutely pressuring Rodgers the entire time. Like you said, Dave, put it perfectly, a complete game by Tank. I really um, cannot ask for him to be playing better than what he is right now. Um, I, I just really think it's very hard to look at how well he played because what was outshined, unfortunately, 
is how the rest of the defense was playing and really the rest of the team just not playing that complimentary football like we like to hear uh, from the mothership. But all very good stuff, gentlemen. I'm very proud of you for a complete and logical top 10 after our emotions. We're just going through it after this loss. I know for me personally, this season at least, I've had to take a step back from the emotional fan side to do these podcasts and, and it can be difficult. So I really give you guys all the, all the love and respect for doing that because fans don't understand how difficult that can be sometimes. Uh, you know, we, we are all fans too, but we all are professionals and, and it can be difficult. So gentlemen, I just, I appreciate that for y'all. And you know, it, it comes down to parenting. We have to be tough parents. We are making sure that they, that these mistakes are not made again. The only way you learn is through criticism, uh, and hard grading. And, uh, I know that when I become a parent someday, that will be the discipline in the household. There is a certain standard, certain expectation. Like Dave said, it, clearly Dave is a high expectation guy and that's t- totally okay. But again, we, we look forward to the future they're, it's like a clean slate this week. You know, they're going to be getting a new opponent. They're playing indoors, so no elements uh, required uh, this weekend, you know, except for getting off the plane and going to the stadium. But I think that it's going to be a pretty good game uh, against the Vikings this weekend. But uh, yeah, Dave, no, I appreciate having you on here. Um, where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore DH44 underscore. Make sure you get the underscores on both ends of the handle there. Um, just to make it extra special. Um, and I'm usually tweeting out all my football takes uh, pretty much as they come to me, popping in my head and it goes out on Twitter. Um, and then, you know, I've got a written word on, you know, running the boys throughout the week. Um, not, not usually as critical of, of the players, but when you lose to the Packers like this, sometimes it, it can't be helped. I love the honesty there. Um, you also forgot to point out that you tweet a lot of Brett Maher love and a lot of Taylor Swift love. So, hey, I just, this is why we're friends. This is why we get along. It just, it's just, real knows real. What can I say? Yeah, no, a lot of, lot of Taylor Swift love, a lot of Brumacher. And, and I, I just want to, you know, brag a little bit when they first signed him. You know, I, I have an article out there. Uh, it's, it's still out there on bloggingtheboys.com where I said, it's going to be different this time. It's going to be better. He's going to be great. And, you know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll brag on him for as long as he's making those field goals, which so far has been all year. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look up that article and I'm gonna be like, look, everybody, this was manifested. Thank you so much, Dave, um, and and thank you for coming on here and talking all things Cowboys Packers with us. Despite a loss, like Brandon said, we have plenty to look forward to. Brandon, if the people are not following you, where can they follow you to keep up with all things Brandon and your incredible work that you do, my friend? It is at Brandon is right, and it is W R I T E, not R I G H T, like we usually are on this podcast. I was gonna say either one you, you can't go wrong you're you're right either way huh uh-huh. there we go now he didn't like that one either dang tough crowd today tough crowd everybody um but no uh you follow me at twitter uh at twitter oh my gosh on twitter at just underscore I really need to go to bed you guys this is just not it for me today but Real quick, before we go, our very own RJ Ochoa wanted me to give you all a little reminder that he wants you, and all of us want you, I want you, the guys want you to be on a lookout uh, throughout the day today because we are supposed to have a very special guest interview, and if all goes according to plan, you can expect this interview to pop up on your feed later on throughout the day, throughout the afternoon, and you can find it on YouTube, but again, things can happen sometimes. So that's why I can't give you more details. I just want to tell you, you want to tune in. If this pans out, it's a oh, great interview. Hello, RJ's doing the interview, uh, of course, but also the special guest, great guest. So there's your little Easter egg for the day. Do with it what you will. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, Cowboys Nation, and we will see you next week here on the Writer's Block Podcast. Yeah.